You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hi, and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. I'm Andrew Berkshire from the Montreal Gazette, and I'm here with Mary Clark from For the Win. Today's sponsor is Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Today we've got a really exciting show. We've got our first ever repeat guest on the show, I believe, uh, Erica Ayala, who's going to preview the Seattle Kraken for us. She's the host of Locked On Kraken, and we're also going to talk to the brand new host of Locked On Capitals, Tyler Kuehl. And before that, we're going to talk about some season preview stuff because Mary and I are going to make some bold predictions for the 2021-2022 season. Mary, how you doing? good uh we just came off i hate to i had to you know do like show how the sausage just made on this podcast but we came off <laughs> an incredibly awesome conversation with erica uh so i'm still like jazzed from it so like uh i'm doing good and it was a great interview um tyler was great too uh it's really exciting like i said to get to know the locked on hosts because we really don't interact with them much um so it's been really great to do so in this project but i'm doing good it's the month it's monday right now but it's it's my Friday, so I'm looking forward to, I guess, watching football tonight, and we'll see if the Eagles win. <laughs> it's a big rivalry game tonight, but I'm doing good otherwise. Um, sadly, the pool is coming down outside in our backyard, but in its place, my sister bought an inflatable hot tub, so we have an inflatable oh, nice. hot tub now. So I guess we'll see how that goes. I mean, it's still, like, they set it up yesterday while I was busy, um, and it's, you know, the they're still warming it up so I'll, I'll, I'll hopefully give feedback later but it's an interesting time to put up the hot tub but uh hopefully we'll get some use out of it before it gets too cold here and then we have to take it down i assume yeah hot tubs are i find only good in the winter <laughs> like i don't i run hot i don't want to get in a hot tub unless that's fair it's i just don't want to put outside. it on the ground in the middle of the snow is i think my problem i don't know i'll have to talk to them about it like they put it like i don't know they put it in a weird spot where i'm like is it going to be safe here being covered by snow? But maybe that's the whole point. And I'm yeah, just I don't you know, know. chicken about it. <laughs> I think that's like the wor- the only main drawback of the hot tub, right? It's like when, if you do it in the winter, like getting out, there's no easy least, way to do but that. But at least like the hot tubs, like uh, normal hot tubs are like actual stable structures. This is just an inflatable one. So Oh, okay. So yeah. Yeah, we didn't buy like an actual really like super fancy hot tub. We just bought, my sister bought an inflatable one. So like, I'm not sure if there are different rules for this, but you know, I guess I'm willing to find out because it's not nearly as big as the pool. So I don't think we have much to worry about if you know it, you know, freezes and doesn't work anymore but my sister is probably at a hundred dollars or so if that happens so her love well 100 bucks ain't too bad especially if you get a little bit of enjoyment out of it so that that that's fun something to look forward to in the winter outside of hey hockey season's about to start yeah, Mary. we had our first yeah. preseason action this weekend and we are about two weeks away from the beginning of the nhl season it's pretty hype yeah yeah uh, you said two weeks. Uh, I nearly forgot that this week is the start of October and I almost died because I'm not, I mean, I'm ready, but I'm also not because that means I have to, you know, get all my preview stuff together and like, this is fine. Like us doing preview stuff, easy peasy writing, doing a lot of like that content. There's just a lot. So I am, I'm excited, equal parts excited and equal parts, you know, stressing a little bit, just, you know, trying to get everything together. But I'm sure by, you know, the time the season starts, everything will be perfectly fine. But it's just like got so much to do and limited amounts of time to do it in, honestly. This is true. And we should also mention that uh, we are hosting the Locked On NHL season preview on October 12th. So you'll want to tune into that. And uh, make sure that you watch us talk to as many local experts as we can. We'll be throwing to videos as well that are pre-recorded. It'll be a fun time. Uh, but we got to get into our topic here, and that is bold predictions for the NHL season. We both brought two to the table to discuss. Mine are unfortunately both from the same division, <laughs> which I was I was trying not to do. But these are the two that I felt the most strongly about. Which, like, if you're going to be bold, you got to be bold. I didn't want to repeat the one that I did for Locked On Golden Knights, which was essentially, like, uh, that they're going to win the Stanley Cup, which mm-hmm. is a, a bold take for them. I mean, as bold as you can get with a team that is a Stanley Cup contender, right? Like, I'm not going to say that they're going to miss mean, the playoffs. They're not going I to. I think that's pretty bold, considering they still have to run through the avalanche, most likely. They do. So, I mean, they beat so. them last year. Yeah, but still, I'm just saying that I think that yeah. that's, you know, I would assume that 
the consensus. It's bold enough. The consensus, you know, Stanley Cup pick is probably the Avalanche. I haven't really looked at it much. I mean, you could say it was the last year for sure. Yeah, you could say the Lightning because they just came off a you know back to back cups, but they're obviously weaker this year. Um, yeah, they lost their they whole lost second their line. Whole second line. Yep, exactly. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if the Avalanche are, you know, the Stanley Cup favorite. So I would classify that as a bold prediction for sure. Perfect. I'm glad that you agree with my bold prediction <laughs> being bold enough. I don't know there. if I necessarily agree with it, but no, I agree, no, that, agree it's that it's bold enough. I agree right. that it's bold enough. All right. So I'm going to, you want me to go first? Or do you want to go first? Uh, I'll go first with my big one. The second okay. one I'm a little, not less sure about, but the, the first one I know is going to ruffle feathers and uh, it's not just because I'm a Flyers fan. I think the Penguins won't make the playoffs this year. And I know, Andrew, you were shocked and surprised when I put this in the podcast doc, but I have a reason why. <laughs> Evgeny Malkin is out for at least two months. Yep. At least two months. I think that that has the potential to sink them. And I mean, I know Sidney Crosby is going to be out for not very long, but when they start, you know, I believe when they start their first game, they're going to have Jeff Carter, 36 year old Jeff Carter, is their first line center to start the season. I'm concerned about the depth. Yeah, because they team. also lost Jared McCann in the offseason. Yeah. Exactly. I'm very concerned that these couple of months without Malkin specifically, because Crosby is probably coming back quite shortly, but like it's wild that Jeff Carter is going to be probably the first line center for this team. And I know he was probably better than expected, I think, for the Penguins last year, but that is not a playoff team make with Jeff Carter as your first line center. Uh, obviously, no. Crosby will slot back in, but the loss of Malkin for at least two months, because if I believe knee surgery... Um, yeah, uh, from ESPN, uh, Malkin will at least miss the first two months of the season um, as he recovers from knee surgery. That's huge. Yeah, it um, is. And, it's, and especially in such a competitive division like the Metropolitan, a bad first couple of months could absolutely sink a team. And I don't know if I'm necessarily sold on the duo of Tristan Jari and Casey Dismith and Nett. I mean, Jari was up and down last season. Definitely probably the reason why they lost the playoff series he's he's got a lot to prove this year um and especially if they don't have some of their big players i think it's going to be very difficult for him to you know stop the puck and i don't know i'm just i'm concerned about this team and even if by the end of the season they they catch fire i don't know if it will be enough if if they dig themselves too big of a hole in the first couple months of the season, I think that that might just kill them outright. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a Flyers fan. I actually think that this, <laughs> of all the years that we have said that this is the Penguins, you know, downfall year, I think that this is the year and I think it's going to come swift and sudden for them. It's going to be like a San Jose Sharks type of downfall. And yeah, I mean, I, I think the, like... TSN has both Crosby and Malkin listed as day-to-day, which is clearly not accurate. Crosby might be, because it's very possible he only misses, like, a couple of games, if that. Right, but but. he had wrist surgery, didn't he? I I believe so. Like, I'm pretty sure Sidney Crosby had wrist surgery, like, a month ago. And as much as he might be back early because he's Sidney Crosby, I would not, like, yeah, okay, so he had wrist surgery not even a month ago, September 8th. Mm -hmm. He was listed as out for six weeks. It was only arthroscopic surgery, but it's still surgery. We're not like we're not guaranteed to have Sidney Crosby, whose hands are ridiculous, right back after those six weeks. I think you might be onto something here because Malkin and Crosby being out at the same time is not a familiar thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's like transporting back to two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah, and you know Chris Letang is the ageless wonder at thirty four years old, but he is thirty four years old, off and injured. Up and down seasons too. I mean, like, yeah, like, and yeah. the goaltending duo is not. Proven. I just need. I need to see like if the Penguins are going to make this work. It's going to have to be because Tristan Jari bounces back. Yeah. Um, well, one thing I will capacity. say is that if the Penguins make the playoffs this year, I don't want to hear any excuses from any other team. Like, if they actually pull it together, despite losing Crosby and Malkin at the beginning of the season. I, I just I don't want to hear any excuses from any other team because there's like nobody who's starting the season that hobbled except for like the Buffalo Sabres who did it to themselves. Yeah. So that is my first bold prediction. And it's definitely my boldest. Uh, but I, I know we talk about this every year of like, when are the Penguins going to fall off a cliff? Because that's it's coming eventually, obviously, because, you know, Crosby and Malkin not getting any younger. That yep. era of the Penguins is going to end. And I think that this year has the very, very big potential for it to fall off a cliff in the same way the Sharks did. Uh, however many years ago when they just went immediately 
like face down, lost a bunch of games, got their coach fired, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I don't know if it'll be that drastic, but I definitely could see them falling behind a lot and it being very difficult for them to make playoffs in the end, just because if they, you know, lose out a bunch of games early on, um, it's going to be very difficult for them to make it back up by the end of the season. Yep. All right, so my first prediction and probably my boldest prediction is that the Florida Panthers are going to win the Atlantic Division in the regular season. And I don't know if that's necessarily the boldest prediction because they're being respected this year for the first time as like a team on the rise. And they, they did have some things in, that happened last season that might be a little bit unsustainable heading into this one, but their underlying numbers were solid. And I think the combination of Tampa Bay taking a hit, losing their whole second line due to the, due to the salary cap... The Boston Bruins getting one year older, losing David Krejci, and Tuka Rask's future is in doubt because of the whole surgery thing, and he might not sign until later in the year. Uh, I like Linus Allmark. I don't know if he can handle being the top guy for a competitive team. He's only had to be a guy on a bad team, so those are very, very different situations. Montreal Canadiens have lost like half their roster <laughs> and kind of replaced it, so I think they're a team that's... Not dead in the water per se, but they're pushing for the a wild card spot only. That's how I see them. And Toronto, I think they're going to be in their own heads a lot this year. I think this is a huge pressure packed year for them. And if they hit their stride, it's going to be in the playoffs. But I think the issue is that if Florida is going to win the division, that means Tampa Bay is probably going to finish second, which means Toronto is probably going to finish third, which means Toronto's going out in the first round again. Oh, boy. I, it's going to be rough, but they're going to hit Tampa Bay, and they're going to say, oh, well, it was Tampa Bay, but for the fans, it's going to be I no mean, more excuses. I mean, okay, there's there's a there's a world here in which I could see the Maple Leafs making it out of the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, I can see it against most teams. I know. I know. I think they just, like you said, they ha- they're in their own heads. They have to get out of their own heads, and they haven't proven that they've been able to do that yet. But I think that that is an appropriately spicy take. Um, cause you know, there, there's been a lot of turnover in that division in terms of, you know, players moving on. Obviously we said Tampa Bay lost their entire second line. We have no idea how that's going to affect them. Sure. They're coming off back to back Stanley cups, but there's a, there's a reason that line was so instrumental in helping them get there. So I absolutely can, I can foresee that happening. I think that that's an, like, like I said, appropriately spicy take. Um, I'm a little bit confused about their goaltending cause you know, Chris Dringer is not there anymore. But, you know, I, I think that it might be time to start putting respect on the Florida Panthers' name. Yeah, and I think there's also, like, I think Barkov is an unrestricted free agent next year. He's going to be highly motivated. They've got, like, the right mix of players. Who was yeah, out for a bunch last year? Was it Ekblad? Yes, to... Ekblad yeah. got injured, yeah. like, two-thirds of the way through the season and missed the playoffs as well. Mm-hmm. So that was, like, a huge blow to them and probably one of the main reasons why they couldn't actually compete with the lightning in that first round series, despite the fact, I think they owned it at even strength, but they just couldn't get it done. But uh, I think Spencer Knight is going to be their goaltender of the future. He's 20 years old. So he'll have his ups and downs. I don't think Bobrovsky's going to be able to spell <laughs> him that well. Cause oh, he's just such a mess. But Bobrovsky seems to be like, have such on again, off again seasons that maybe he'll have one of his crazy ones again. I just like the, co- the composition of this team. I think they've got a lot of things to, to like a lot of good things. And I really, really like the Sam Reinhardt uh, acquisition and the contract that he signed is so reasonable. Mm-hmm. Like they've got room to play on top of being a really good team. So, yeah, I mean, for me, I think it'll hinge on the goaltending because like you said, yeah. Bobrovsky's up and down and Spencer Knight only has, I think, four games played in the NHL. So they're relying on, you know, an up and down goaltender and an improvement one. But I can see a world where Spencer Knight is as good as advertised and, you know, really shuts out like you know shuts things down for them and helps them get to that top spot in the Atlantic I can absolutely see a world where that exists I don't know if that'll be how I predict things uh when we've I assume eventually do predictions at the end of the day but I I can absolutely see that being a thing yep all right what's your second bold prediction Mary okay I wanted to try and even out the uh you know I didn't want to make you know east coast bias a thing because uh we're both east coasters or at least we're in that time zone so like I I wanted to try and give a little love to the people and teams out west so I've this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody who's listened to our conversations in our interviews um but I'm kind of high on the kings this year in terms of like at least making a little bit of a splash and I think the, they might make the wild card hunt a little bit interesting I mean we talked about how the Pacific Division 
is a very bad division. Definitely the worst. Um, I could have put something about Seattle here. Um, I mean, we talked about it. We're going to talk about it with Erica, but they're at least projected to make the playoffs. I was going to be like, will they make the playoffs? Will they not make the playoffs? But I think that that's Seattle making the playoffs is probably a safe bet. I'm not predicting here that the Kings make the playoffs. I just think that they're going to make the wild card hunt interesting. I think that they're going to be, I don't know, better than advertised, which is weird to say because you've got, you know, players such as, you know, Anze Kopitar, Dustin Brown, uh, Drew Doughty, uh, who are, you know, all on the wrong side of 30. Um, Alex Edler is on the team. I mean, they don't have a lot of like, they have a lot of older guys, but I'm really high on their younger guys. You know, Quentin Byfield, Alex Turcott. I really think that they could make a splash. Um, obviously, two players does not a playoff team make. And, you know, they've still got Jonathan Quick in net um, alongside Cal Peterson. Um, so I don't know how the goaltending duties will shake out, but I want, this is mostly more of a hope than I guess a bold prediction, but I will also turn it into a bold prediction because I didn't want to shut out people on the West coast, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, what we've been talking about, but I think that they'll make the wild card hunt interesting. I think they may be better than projected and maybe push some of those teams, maybe a Seattle, uh, maybe Edmonton, if they fall, if they completely fall off, I didn't want to make this, this prediction about the Oilers because like, it can either go one of two ways. They'll be catastrophic or McDavid and Drysaddle will just drag them to the the playoffs once more. But uh, they could definitely push those lower teams, I think, and make things just a little bit interesting out in the West. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I I was going to go with LA for my bold prediction, but I had a feeling that you were going to go for it with one of yours. So I wanted to save it for you. I feel like you're totally on the money there. I was unconvinced with LA the first time you started talking them up. But the more we've talked about it and the more they've done, I'm like, okay, yeah, this team, this team's on the rise. I can see it. It's going to happen. Just watch, though. We we talked all this talk, and then they're going to fall flat on their faces. I just know. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, that happens. This is true, but this is how my predictions usually go. So going yeah. back to the Penguins one, I say this, and the Penguins are going to leave the division and, you know, win the Stanley Cup again. This is just how it works for me. So don't be surprised if the two <laughs> outcomes are either I'm semi-right or I'm completely wrong and the opposite happens, because that happens to me a lot. But we can continue on with your last prediction, because I'm intrigued by this one. All right, so there's been a lot of talk about how great the Senators were last year in the second half of the season, and they were solid. Uh, We talked a lot about the North Division being weak, but apparently that doesn't apply to the Senators when everyone has been projecting things. I am not convinced by this team. I saw a team that was relatively entertaining to to watch in the beginning of the season, and then as soon as the pressure was off, Things went well for them. When the pressure is on, when they're not playing the same teams over and over again, which in a presumably weak division where they're now in a very tough division in the tougher conference as well, because the East is like way stronger than the West these days. I don't think the Sens are going to do very well this year. I think it's going to be a big wake up call that they are not ready. And we saw Pierre Dorian talking about how like the rebuild is over. They don't need anything else. I don't think this is this team is nearly as deep as a lot of people have been projecting. I think they've got some good pieces, but they are not ready, especially on the defensive side. They play an interesting system, but it's one of those systems where if you don't start to get immediate success, players stop buying in. Uh, that whole like, oh, 100% effort, we're going to grind every game out, we're going to frustrate every team, we're just going to outwork everyone. It works short term, but unless you start winning playoff series with it, players start to check out when the, you don't have enough room for skill. Uh, you don't have enough freedom to do what you want. And they have a lot of young players who will ask for something else at a certain point if things don't get better. So I'm, I'm interested to see how the season goes, but I don't think they even get a sniff of the playoffs. I think the bottom three teams in the Atlantic are going to be awful. <laughs> like, <laughs> Buffalo is like last with a bullet because not only are they losing their captain and best player they're also losing any semblance of good goaltending that they had last year and the year before and detroit i don't know they're not ahead of the senators i don't think but i don't think they're much worse maybe the tyler bertuzzi situation where he's refusing to get vaccinated actually makes them worse than the senators but i think too many people bought high on the senators last year and Vegas casino is taking bets are going to make a killing from people betting that they're going to make the playoffs. And I just don't see it. I think they're a decent, but clearly non-playoff team. 
Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. And it's interesting that you said that the East is better than the West. I think that the West has higher highs with, you know, yeah. teams like Vegas and Colorado. But the the But those the are the floor, only two, right? Yeah, but the floor in the East is higher than it is in the West, if you kind of understand what I'm saying. That, like, there are more good teams in the East than there are in the in the West, but the West has better teams than the best teams in the East. I guess if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I think those top two teams are the the two, like the cream of the crop. And then like Tampa Bay last year was with them, but losing that second line is probably a rung below. And it's like those two teams are the two best teams in the league. And then it's like the next 10, 11 teams straight is all in the East. Yeah, Maybe yeah. Minnesota's in that conversation too. Exactly. But I, that's a really interesting way for things to line up. And this is not to put disrespect on the Tampa Bay Lightning at all. I think that's just more realistic than anything to, you know, come into it this year. I mean, like, if you still had to, like, rank them in, like, preseason, I guess, power rankings of a sort, you would kind of put them number one because they were back-to-back champions. But obviously there is reason to, you know, speculate as to you know how good they're going to be if they'll reach those same highs but i just find it interesting that we were talking about the strength of the two conferences since now we're back into that but um i definitely think that there is something to be said for the east to have you know a higher you know ceiling or or higher floor i guess is the the way to put it but you are right that the bad teams in both divisions are bad but the the sabers specifically are bad but I don't think that the Senators can take advantage of that, especially in the division they are in. They're going to be fighting for their life to try and make a playoff, and I think you're right that they won't get there because they're not that good, um, and everything else is standing in their way as well. Yeah, there's there's just too many teams that are significantly better than them. There's going to be very few easy games for them this year, and you know maybe it'll happen again where they get out of it early and they look good late, but I think that kind of situation has fooled a lot of people both in terms of player performance and team performance. Uh, when you're already out of it and the pressure's off, it's easy to go to work to every day and play your best. There's uh, there's nothing staring down at you. There's no pressure keeping you, uh, you know, uh, down in the dumps, essentially, like when you make a mistake. That's the other thing is, like, you get credit for producing. But when you're not in the playoff hunt, people aren't as on you about bad defense, right? So you have a bit more freedom to create. And I don't know. I think the senators are going to have a a rough year, but you know, maybe they'll hit rock bottom. And speaking of rocks, this episode is brought to you by rock auto with the ever increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to Rock Auto at home and in your pocket. That's your phone. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership where they sell at different costs to both professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers when Rock Auto sells for the same price? Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could possibly need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to all of your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. rockauto.com Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and you're watching sports highlights on your phone. And you've got your best friend's neighbor's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of that engagement and entertainment that you love without the hassle. And a great way to finally put your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no more need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Welcome back to the Crosscheck NHL show. We are actually welcoming back, I believe, 
our first ever repeat guest on the show, the amazing superstar rising up the podcast charts, Erica Ayala. How are you doing, Erica of Locked On Kraken, I should say also? Hey, well, it's I'm doing great. I'm back in Seattle. Uh, I feel like last time we were talking offline, I was probably here covering the expansion draft. And we are uh, it's the morning after the first official preseason game. So we've got we've got goal scorers. We've got a few line combos that have been rolled out uh, and even a first win. So I I think uh, Kraken Nation's feeling pretty good right about now. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I I can imagine the excitement. I heard that there was quite a lot of. like excitement generated online and in and around Seattle just to finally see something put to ice. Yeah. And I watched the preseason game too, or at least part of it. Uh, and the excitement in the arena was incredible. It actually looked like a regular season game, just like me watching like the highlights of the goals. Like everybody reacted with such like excitement. It was so cool to see and to, you know, cap off with the wind too is incredible. Cause like, I mean, I know it's preseason, they don't count, but that's one hell of a way to get your you know time in Seattle rolling is with a preseason win and get you know the excitement flowing yeah Mary you're absolutely right I unfortunately was not at the game I stayed a little bit closer to Seattle proper because there was some WNBA playoff action happening so I also was watching um and streaming the game but yes everything looked packed the fans were having a good time and I think really what we took away from this preseason even though you know it doesn't that doesn't really count for much except it does count for a lot for the Seattle Kraken because these players have never hit the ice before and they hadn't even worked on the power play goal <laughs> before going up against the Vancouver Canucks who you know they have a young goalie obviously there is some changes that have happened but there's a lot more core pieces with literally every other NHL team than the Seattle Kraken. And to see them battle back from a two goal deficit uh, to be able to get that five, three win was really a good sign. I think of things to come. Yeah. It really solidifies like there's something there, right? There's some chemistry and some method to the madness, you know, even if it's just a preseason game, it's not as meaningless as it might be for a usual year for most teams, but uh So I guess we can't really do our usual start to these segments because we've been asking everybody who's in and who's out and who's in is everyone, (laughs) right? (laughs) So for for the Seattle Kraken, since we talked to you last, I guess, maybe we should just go over free agency and the the moves that the Seattle Kraken made, made there. Sure. So I guess if we were speaking um, right around the time of the expansion draft, we were thinking that Chris Drieger was going to have a, a pretty, a pretty solid minutes in net. So this is before Philip Grubauer was signed in free agency. And since the signing of Grubauer, even though there was a little dent and a little blemish to Seattle Kraken, Kraken, excuse me, internal practice because of a little bit of a faux pas with his contract, but that got worked out. Um, but a lot of people are saying and have been asking me and, and telling me that they think this is uh, one of the stronger goalie tandems in the league. And I think that we saw a little bit of a taste of that. I think we're, we're I, I would like to still see more from goaltending after yesterday's game. I mean, five, three is a, is a pretty high scoring hockey game. Um, so I, I want to see a little bit more there. I, I also think uh, defensively, I want to see a little bit more, which is the exact opposite of what I was talking about. But speaking of free agency, Ryan Donato scored a goal and he was someone that was brought in also. Uh, You also had um, Geeky, uh, Morgan Geeky score, and he's one of the two-way players. So you're seeing that some of the players that were maybe brought in to be impact players in the organization as a whole, or even to really make that bottom six more competitive, we saw that they were the ones performing. And I mean, rightfully so, right? Coming out of training camp and going into preseason, arguably they have the most to prove but what I like about um, the free agency and what the Seattle Kraken did even in the expansion draft is that they were able to really balance out having young talent like a Morgan Geeky um, even a Donato to some extent even though he's kind of been around but then they also were able to sign Jaden Schwartz and obviously they picked up Mark Giordano in the draft I mentioned Grubauer getting Grubauer there and having he has playoff experience experience 
So it's a really great balance. And I think the character that Ron Francis has been telling us so much about, that's really starting to, we're starting to see why the Seattle Kraken were very particular and very consistent with saying that they had a, a specific type of player and certainly from a leadership perspective, what they were looking for on the ice. Yeah. And we actually had the chance to talk to Josh Hyman from locked on blues uh, last week. And despite a, a disappointing offensive season last year, he mentioned Jaden Schwartz and the fact that he was moving on he was really devastated and he, he mentioned Jaden Schwartz as more than just an offensive guy, but the heartbeat of the St. Louis Blues team, especially when they won the Stanley Cup. So it's good to see him fitting in really quickly with the Kraken. And it seems like he, I, I heard, I think from you, you and Marissa and Jemmy talking that him and maybe Jordan Everly were having some chemistry in practice. Yeah, absolutely. Eberly, Schwartz, uh, we're also um, seeing, again, some of the, the deep pairings. It's still early, but we're seeing um, some of the deep pairings uh, come together. Also, I think it was McCann um, and and uh, McCann and, and uh, Giordano, I think we're together for a little bit there. And so we're, we're starting to see some of that come together. And that, again, is, is super exciting. But just to go back to Jaden really quickly, I, I knew of Jaden through his um, sister that passed away, Mandy Schwartz, covering women's hockey. And what I learned quickly is that the Schwartz family and his father recently passed away, but the Schwartz family are, are good people in hockey and they're very well respected for what they do, certainly on the ice, but also within the hockey community. So having a person like that and Jaden just being ready to uh, get a, a, a breath of fresh air. And I think Seattle is offering him that not just on the ice, but maybe even just, you know, a way to be able to settle into a lot of the changes that have happened in his personal life as well. Yeah, we talked about character. Can we talk about Brandon Tanev's official <laughs> photo for the NHL this yes. year because he seemed to up the ante over yes. last year even crazier. So oh. okay, yeah, let's talk about this because I I might have a different opinion than most people, Ooh. but I kind of like the Pittsburgh photo better because I feel like it was more like Accidental. natural. Like yeah, yes. it, it was, you could really see the shock in his face. I mean, he's he's sticking to his story that he saw a ghost, right? Um, and then I think he like tried a little too hard for Seattle. Oh, I'm with you. That's fair, but I think that I think it's kind of good because it's showing personality. I mean, Absolutely. obviously we've it's just, known this year he's in on the joke, right? Yeah, yeah, but like obviously we've known that these hockey players have had personality throughout the league, uh, but now they're coming together and starting to form an identity as a team. So I think it's just like, sure, he may have tried a little too hard, but it's absolutely going to endear him to the Seattle fan base. Oh, so yeah. I think it, it absolutely he absolutely did his job there 100%. Yeah, I think Brendan is going to be a really interesting person to follow. I'm really excited to have that personality. Chris Drieger is also a really talkative guy, fun guy to talk to. And you don't always get that in hockey, but I want to go back to Tanif because there's this clip going around and I'm a little bit jealous of Vancouver because they had a virtual media and we did not anyway. But so you see Tanif and he's like in his boxers only. And I guess he was trying to walk through a curtain and he, he was like, Oh crap. <laughs> he gave us one of those, you know, he's like, Oh man, they're on a zoom call. So then he goes around the curtain the other way and he tries to like manipulate the curtain so that he, he, he like sneaks past, but behind the curtain. Oh, it was fantastic. <laughs> Oh, I'm absolutely going to have to look that up later. Yes, that sounds yes. hysterical. He seems he's, like such a funny guy. He's going to be a fan. Like if he isn't already a fan favorite, he's going to be a fan favorite so quickly. Absolutely. Like, he's just so funny. And I, I think hockey needs those guys so much. So sure, I guess we sure. should we should probably get into the expectations of this year, which is essentially like, who knows, right? Because yeah. things could work out amazingly. But I know that we've kind of looked at this roster and thought they're going to play a pretty defensive brand of hockey. They've got the good goaltenders to back that up as well. They've added some scoring. Now, do you think with the way that this division is structured, like it is what looks like on paper, the weakest division in hockey are the Seattle Kraken a team to fear this year? I think they can be, I think right now the expectation and, you know, I've been looking a lot on betonline.ag and, um, 
I think right now the Seattle Kraken are slotted in that third spot in the Pacific division, which in hockey, <laughs> that means they, they make the playoffs. So, yep. um, you know, we take that and yes, there is a lot of conversation about the Pacific division being a weaker division. I've talked to a lot of people from Calgary and, and Vancouver about this on the podcast. But another thing that I mentioned on the podcast is that um, in theory, at least right on paper, teams like the ducks and the Kings, they've been able to rack up some high first round picks. So if the Kraken is going to get Kraken, they should do it now (laughs) because you know, they, they're not going to be guaranteed to be able to really build up uh, their prospects. And again, teams in their division have been doing that for a handful of years now. So um, I I think it's going to be interesting. Yes. I think that the Seattle Kraken can definitely be a contender in the Pacific division. I think that they have the full expectation of being competitive and really making a strong push for the playoffs and for their sake, they they better get it done in in the first one to three seasons, in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah, it makes sense. You got to solidify something with your fan base, right? And I think if you're able to do what Vegas did or even close to it, right? Just even making the playoffs, you show the fans there's something here to get really excited about. It's not just an expansion team that's here to like bottom out and draft and hopefully get something in the next three years or five years, 10 years, it's a team that you can get excited about right away. And I think Seattle has the combination of things to get to that point. Uh, Before we let you go, Erica, and first of all, thank you so much for doing this again. (laughs) Do you have any insight into when uh, Yanni Gord will be back? Yes. So we did hear a little bit about that. We don't have a hard date or anything, but we saw, and I know over at Locked on Kraken on social media and, and a lot of the other beat reporters were reporting that he was hitting the ice. And so what we saw at training camp is that we had a morning session and an afternoon session and Yanni Gord would hit the ice in a red Jersey. So that's no contact. Um, But he would hit the ice with the team for, you know, a handful of minutes for whatever session he happened to be in with his group. And then he would go to the second sheet of ice to do a little bit more conditioning. And so what that tells me and what Ron Francis told us is that he's really ahead of progress. He's certainly ahead of where Ron Francis thought he would be. Dave Haxtell, kind of taking more of the approach like i, I mean i don't know but ronnie <laughs> that sounds ronnie, like him yeah yeah for sure he's like I, I i i just don't know what to tell you there but ron francis is saying that um he's progressing very well he has been responding to his rehab and is is on track to in ron francis's estimation of things be ready prior to december which is when ron francis as the general manager was expecting to have him back so that's a really good sign Excellent. And also, uh, Erica, thank you so much for doing this, but let's plug your stuff because if people don't know, Erica hosting this Locked on Kraken podcast has already cracked, I believe, the top 30 podcasts in the U.S. uh, for sports, which is incredible. You've been putting in so much work and obviously people are very hyped about this team and your work. So let's uh, let's plug all your stuff and what you got going for the plans for the beginning of the season here. Oh, well, fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I, first of all, really appreciate being the the first return guest. I mean, I just keep racking up the wins here, but uh, so thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Mary. And yes, you can find me at Locked on Kraken, wherever you get your podcasts and also on YouTube. And what we've been doing and will continue to do is um, we have segments with different creators or writers, and we're calling that our Goodreads section. So if you want to know people in the hockey space that you really should be uh, tuning into their work and and their analysis of hockey, not just the Seattle Kraken. That's a really good segment. Um, I am here in Seattle. So we just recently had a sit down with Connor Carrick and he talked a a little bit about him and his wife and their kind of obsession maybe with pour over coffee. And so I think he's going to enjoy Seattle. Um, But also Connor is another player that has been really um, impressing in training camp. So I am looking forward to, as we start to now integrate some of the preseason games, continuing to have player sit downs. Uh, We'll continue to have, again, some of the people that you should know around the Seattle Kraken beat. And just if you're getting into the NHL along with the Seattle Kraken. So we hope that you will uh, come over uh, after you listen, of course, across check that you come listen to locked on Kraken. (laughs) Absolutely. And I love that idea. The Goodreads section. I think that's something that, Everyone who gains success in this industry, it, it's almost, a, it's not an obligation, but it's, it behooves us to 
push up our, our best yes. peers, right? I think it's so easy to share the stuff that's bad and say like, this is bad. We've got to share the good stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm taking a page right out of the Seattle Kraken book there. Everything is so energized. We're having such a good time. And so we want to keep that energy rolling. And I love that you said that. Yes. Like the, if you will, let's use a, you know, an aquatics uh, saying here, but you know, the rising tide lifts all ships. And I really believe that. And, you know, let's keep that rolling because I am known to be very critical of the teams that I keep a close eye on. I think you got to keep it real too. So we'll see how the Seattle Kraken fare when it comes to, you know, my deep dive analysis. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, Erica. Thank you. Thank you. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on, back to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, betonline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing officers, all the amazing offers, sorry, available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Welcome back to the Crosscheck NHL show. We are excited to be having on uh, the brand new host of Locked On Capitals today, Tyler Cool. How's it going, man? Hey, guys. How are we doing today? I'm doing good. We're doing great. We're uh, enjoying our Monday of. Yeah. For once earlier in the day when we were recording, it was a bit of a colossal group of errors here. We were having a case of the Mondays, but I think we've recovered now. Oh, haven't we all? I mean, I like I said, I, I thankfully got my internet up and running right before this. So yeah, it is Monday for sure. Yeah. So uh, the Capitals, Tyler, are a team that I wouldn't say is necessarily in flux, but maybe at the end of their competitive window, we'll say, or like closing in on it. They're a team that's uh, had a couple first round exits after winning their Stanley Cup, their long sought Stanley Cup that they probably should have won back in like 2010 if not for Yaroslav right. uh, Halak. But uh, this is a team that I think a lot of us are going to be watching with bated breath because there's so much riding on the next couple of years. I think everyone wants to see Alex Ovechkin uh, take over the goal-scoring record in the NHL. But I think more than that, Capitals fans want to see them win another Stanley Cup with these players. So to start things off, compared to last year, who's in and who's out? Well... It's so hard to look at this Capitals team because for years I've said ever like once they win the cup and I said this for a lot of teams, there's a lot of my buddies that are Leafs fans. I tell them the same thing. Once you win, it doesn't matter how you do after that. But this Capitals team has taken that to heart. I it's so hard <laughs> to and I, and I say that because, you know, we, we talked, you know, a lot of people I remember when we, I first I did another show around the time they won the cup. And I'm like, this is the largest Stanley Cup party ever. But that's had the long, longest and largest hangover ever. A bunch of first round exits, you know, and get not barely able, able to really to, I don't say squeak by because they won the Metro the year after they won the cup, but it's, they're a team that's going to be in. I think this is another, they'll, they'll make the playoffs as long as the great eight is on the roster and is able to play. Same thing goes for Pittsburgh. I say the same thing. As long as 87's on that team, they're going to try to be competitive. This team has a lot of, a lot of moving parts. You may see a lot of newer faces. And I know the fans want another Stanley Cup in Washington. It's just hard to look at it and say, yes, it's going to happen with this team because they are getting older. Nicholas Backstrom, while he is still recovering from that hip surgery, odds are he's not going to be ready, at least 100% by the start of the season. I mean, yeah, you have Michael Kempney, who's coming back from still one of the freakiest injuries I think I've heard in a long time outside of maybe Alex Stalock, but he'll be back in the lineup. But Defensively, they're a little bit smaller, a little bit weaker. Uh, Johnny Carlson's coming back from knee surgery, and he's still working that back and up being 100%. He'll probably be in the opening night lineup, but will he be the John Carlson that signed this big, long contract that he's a part of? So the Capitals in and out there, I mean, you're going to see a lot of guys from Hershey come up. I wouldn't be surprised if we get to see Connor McMichael make a move up eventually if he doesn't go back to junior. I hope I'd like to see him play. Maybe it's because I'm a London Knight fan. That's probably just my thing. But this is a Capitals team that 
they'll be competitive. It's just, it's not your, to your point, Burke, it was the same thing. It's, it's not 2010. This is not a team hungry to win. It's we won. Let's just, let's just keep having fun. I hate let's to, I hate to, fun. I hate to already ask this question. Cause I might be jumping in line here, Andrew, but you mentioned Alex Ovechkin and I have to ask the million dollar question. Do you think he's going to hit that record? I mean, yes. obviously you can't do it this year. I mean, unless, you know, miracles happen, but uh, in the rest of his career, you think he's going to get it? I, I really think so. Cause my brother and I, we, we kept doing the math a couple of years ago. I think it was after he, after the 19 season, even though they got knocked out by Carolina, we did the math. And we're like, okay, if he can stay healthy, have a couple of good years, he could get it done by the end of the 2023 season. And then this pandemic happened and shortened the two, last two regular seasons. So he's, he's currently 164 away from the record, 894 by Gretzky. Ovechkin has 730. So if you do the math and say that he puts up, 30 goal, 35 goal seasons. Cause that's typically his average. And I know it's going to digress a little bit. So we'll just say 35. He could get it done by 2025, which looking at his cat friendly is about to the end of his contract. So I, I really think he could pull this off. He just needs to stay healthy. He, obviously I guarantee you McClellan's going to say, all right, guys, Ovechkin's still here. We're still going to be competitive and he's going to keep guys around him. No way Backstrom is going to leave the other side of that power play. Right? As long as Ovechkin's in the lineup. But I think he can do it. He has still has that shot. And, he, and as much as Grady is in his beard or whatnot, if he can still shoot that one timer off the top of the circle, we've seen it now for over 15 years, guys. He can still do it, and no one can still stop it, even though it's been the same thing as bread and butter for close to two decades now. Yeah, that's the genius of Ovechkin, right, is that everybody sees him coming, right? The, the bread and butter moves. It's the cutting to the inside, coming down on the rush, and then yep. shooting through the defenseman's legs. There's the, the one timer off of the, the off the far, sorry, his off wing. And like, those are the, the two main moves and everyone knows it's going to happen and it doesn't matter anyway. He's getting that puck through. And part of it, you know, is just that he's going to keep trying and trying. He's the most prolific shooter pretty much in NHL history, but uh, the, the man just finds a way. And I think that's what makes me believe that he's going to do it is watching him his whole career. He consistently finds a way and he's not had two down years in a row. And I think we can maybe consider last year a little bit of a down year just because, you know, only 24 goals, even though it was only 48 games yeah, or 45 games that he played. And so still a half goal a game, incredible, but not on his like 50 goal pace, we'll say. But the only time he's ever had two quote unquote down years for Alex Ovechkin in a row was back when Dale Hunter was the coach. And I feel like he's brought more offense into his game in recent years where he started attacking more off the rush again. I don't see him having another down year this year. I just think that maybe the team doesn't look as hungry to win, but I feel like Alex Ovechkin, you can't really question his hunger, right? Well, as long as he's on the ice, he wants to play. And it's yeah. the most it's and you know, I don't know how how old the Canadian fan base here is here on lockdown, but I can tell you the Rocket Richard was the same way until the end. He may not have been the same guy when he was scoring 50 and 50 when they finally won that last cup in 1960. But he was still had that drive to be the best. Hence why he was the goal scoring leader for at least 10 years until Gordy Howe finally caught up to him. But that's the thing is as long as he's playing and to your point, how he's, he's trying to implement more offense. I think now that, and like I said, I'm not trying to say that the, the Capitals are taking it off because they've won the cup, but he knows that his skill set was never favored towards being a defensive player. He's got guys back there that can figure that out. Obviously, losing Chandler Stevenson a couple of years ago didn't help, but you know, I mean, to my point is he realized like, you know what, let's just focus on my strength because that's what, I mean, you look at another great goal scorer, Steven Stamkos, because 80% of your time on your strengths and 20% on your weaknesses. I think Ovechkin is more 95% on his strengths and his weaknesses, <laughs> but you get my drift here. Ovechkin, he's going to keep playing hard and he still has that shot. And until that dwindles down, he's going to keep scoring goals. Yeah, that's definitely something I've noticed in his game is that he kind of makes sacrifices in other areas to maintain what he's the best at. And I think that's admirable that he can lean into that and that the Capitals aren't trying to constantly fit a square peg in a round hole because they tried that before with yep. Dale Hunter and it just didn't work. But uh, I guess moving on from who's in and who's out, because I don't think there's been too much of a turnover on the Capitals overall. But in terms of uh, the way that the Capitals are going to play this year, do you expect that they're going to have the same style or if they're going to implement anything else going forward? Well, they have the similar goaltending. I think that's the thing that you got to look at with this hockey club is the fact that you still have Vitek, you got Vitek Vanasek back, even though you lost from the expansion draft. 
Ilya Samsonov is, according to what I've been hearing from folks around the Caps, is the fact that he is coming in with a better attitude. So if you have two goaltenders, because we saw Samsonov, he played, while it didn't quite go well against Boston, he played a couple of decent games in that series. Unfortunately, they don't have the saving grace in Craig Anderson anymore. We're all very disappointed in that. But he, if you have the two goaltenders going back-to-back, and we see more and more these days, having a good tandem is very important. And here's the thing too, both of these kids are going to want to play really well. This is a contract year for both these guys. Both are RFAs next year and they're going to get pay raises no matter what. How big of a pay raise will they get is the big question. That's going to be determined their play. But up, like and I, you talked about a little about the defense for a little bit. Yeah, you lose Char, you lose Dylan. So you lose those big brute guys back there. So I think you may see the top six be your heavy scores. And typically, I mean, it's how you usually run a team. You have your bottom six forwards be your defensive guys. But I think while Ovechkin's on the ice, it's all right, go get a goal. You're going to see, I think, a little bit more of a change in mentality from Peter Laviolette, who loves to play a tough defensive game anyways. We saw that in time with Nashville, Carolina, going backwards even further than that. I like the way he coaches, and I think that's why he's going to say, all right, if we want to be successful enough to get to the playoffs, here's what we're going to do. I don't think they're going to go into a full-scale trap, the St. the New Jersey Devils of 1995, but you're going to see a team that has to adjust throughout the season of especially when guys get a little bit more tired, they're going to have to bunker down defensively, play a little bit tougher. But I, I do think they are missing a couple of pieces, particularly on the back end. Yes, you have Dmitry Orlov, who can still, who still likes to throw the body, and yes, you have Tom Wilson up there who loves to throw the body, no matter where he's going with it. Um, but you still have a good young core coming up defensively. But I do, yeah, like I mentioned, the defenseman thing is the scariest part because uh, according to Cap Friendly, they do not have a single defenseman that's under the age of 30 now whether or not you say hey experience or oh there's no youth here but that's what like i said you're gonna see some guys from hershey get call-ups guys will get banged up carlson won't be playing 60 or 35 minutes a night won't be playing 60 minutes every two nights so i think this team will have to play a little bit more cautiously but at the same token if they can if they want to go in a run and gun game offensively they have the tools to do it yeah that is something you bring up the the age of the defense. This is not a young team. And I think that's why you see a lot of the urgency in the fan base in like, they need to get something done right away is it doesn't seem like as much as there might be some calls for Hershey because they've been so competitive for so long. It's just, it's difficult to build that really deep farm system. Right. right. So there's no necessarily like a savior coming to, to build them back up. You know, like no, it's, it's almost, it's not as, big of a tank situation, let's say as the San Jose sharks who lost several key players over the course of several seasons and then went totally belly up uh, after, you know, Eric Carlson had some struggles with injuries, but it is a situation that is a little bit more pressure, let's say than the last couple of years. It's they want to get something more. (laughs) Yeah. That, and that's 100% true, Andrew, because this is a, a franchise that now has gotten accustomed to winning. Now, for those that are old enough to remember the pre-lockout capitals, the Yarmer Yager capitals, they were not a good hockey team. They were pretty bad. Olaf Kolzig was sitting there every single night wondering if he was going to make it out alive. And eventually, yes, that day will come. But for now, it's just trying to stay competitive. And I think eventually, because the worst part is, I, I hate to make this comparable now, but how long until we start looking at this capital team is my question is, as like how we saw the Detroit Red Wings towards the end of the Babcock year, where it's, all right, let's go get David Leguan. That guy will save this team. Or right. let's trade a couple of first round picks to let's keep the streak alive. I don't think the you know, I don't think the Capitals will ever make it 25 straight seasons. I don't think Obi can last that long. But I, to that point, this is a team that will continue to try to be competitive. But I think McClellan sees that a little bit and says, all right, if we can win with the group we have, great. Let's try to develop. You got to start drafting more defensemen, get a little bit deeper. They do have Alexander Alexiev back down there, listed down in Hershey. He played a lot in the K last year while the American League was trying to figure out how they're going to come back, played for the World Junior Team in Russia. Could be a guy later on down the line that gets some honest minutes. But like you mentioned, other than that, I mean, I'm sorry, Dylan McElrath won't see the light of day in the National Hockey League anymore. I saw him many years in Grand Rapids. He ain't going to move. But that's the point. I mean, eventually you're going to have to start turning the page like, all right, we can still stay competitive with our top guys, but other than that, it's going to be a lot of minimum wage, young kids coming through because development's key. If you want to have long-term success, the Red Wings were good at that for so long, but after they won so many cups and then Kenny Holland decided to take Mike Gillich's checkbook out of his back pocket and gave us guys like Jonathan Erickson. 
uh, yeah, that's when it started to turn south. So as long as they can stick away from that, I think they'll be good for a little bit longer. But that day is coming. We just don't know when. Yeah, you always wait for the other shoe to drop. So I guess that brings us to our final question here, which is what are the expectations realistically for this season for the Capitals from a management perspective and from a fan perspective? Fan perspective, 82-0. and 0. Uh, <laughs> manage, Management perspective, let's be honest here. I think they understand that this is not a top team. And I think I already made my preseason predictions. I, as much as you want to say the Capitals have a good year, it's hard to not look at the Islanders and say, there's your top team right there. And then you still have Carolina in this division. And Pittsburgh, Ronnie Hextall and Brian Burke are going to do everything they can to make sure that team is a contender. I remember I heard Brian Burke on Hockey Central the day after he got hired by Pittsburgh. You know, he talked about Pittsburgh as kind of a team right in the middle. He says, we're going to try and go win a Stanley Cup. And I'm like, you sure about that, Brian? But they're going <laughs> to keep doing it, though. And I think that McClellan realized that if they still want to be competitive, they're going to have to really continue to push this team in that direction. Now, granted, the entire Metro is going to be complete bonkers. Who knows how good New Jersey is going to get these? The goaltending for me is still a big question mark with them. The Rangers are making strides, and if Panarin can stay healthy the entire season and produce, they'll be good. Philadelphia is a wild card because who knows after the way things ended last season. And it's going to be tough to get through. Like I said, you have Carolina to worry about, and you have the Islanders. So it's, it's going to be an interesting – and, of course, well, I would like to be honest my good friends in Columbus – but I don't want to do that to him. I don't be too mean because Jakob Borchek could easily score 35 goals and lead that team. But who knows with the Blue Jackets, they made more towards the bottom. But I, I like Washington getting in that top three. If they can win a round this year, I think that's going to be considered a win. But I think for this team, for this group, it's just they just want to keep playing together. I don't think, and that's why I'm pretty sure, I don't want to say this is the full Chicago Blackhawks keep the band together, but it's going to be a thing of where, hey, if we can keep Backstrom Ovechkin together, keep Wilson on this team, keep Orlov on the backside. They like him. Keep the guys together to have them play for a few more years and have fun together. I think that's the goal. And if they're still successful, I don't see why they don't turn away from that. Perfect. All right. Before we let you go, Tyler, plug some stuff. What do you got going on locked on caps and what else you got going? Just tell us everything. Well, my, my first official episode will be next Monday. It'll be exciting. We have daily stuff. Uh, I have a couple of guests lined up. I can't say when they're going to be on yet because we haven't officially finalized the date, but I have massive interest with some pretty big names. So be sure to check us out. We'll be recording in the morning. I don't know how early. We'll have to see how, how, how much the coffee starts kicking in. But we'll be doing them every single day, Monday through Friday, giving you the best and latest on Lockdown Capitals. It'll be fun. I'm really excited to join the team and appreciate you guys. Let me take the time to, to plug the, the revamped Lockdown Capitals show. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much. This is a pleasure talking to you and getting to know you. Yes, thank Thanks, you. Guys. Thanks, guys. You guys have a good one. You too. You too. Did you know that Built Bar has tons of delicious flavors? There's something for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. There's coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. Recently, I actually got a box of Built Bars of a limited edition flavor called cookie dough, and it's pretty good. It's pretty darn good. I'm enjoying it. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Each bar contains 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from only 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of net sugar, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your first order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Mary. So I think that you have finished season one of Ted Lasso, which means it's the pop culture roulette segment. How did you find it? Okay. So spoiler warnings, I guess we should say for Ted Lasso season one, if that. Sure. I yes. don't. It came out in what, 2020? Yeah, it was last year. Okay. So, I mean, still, spoiler warning, I guess. I really enjoyed it. I'm not surprised that they got relegated at the end of the season because, you know, conflict. Uh, still heartbreaking, though. Uh, absolutely will say that. You know, going from the joy of that, you know, that tying goal on the on the trick play to, you know, the defeat of, you know, Jamie actually passing the ball for once in his life. <laughs> uh, it was definitely heartbreaking, even though I figured that relegation was coming for them because... I don't know. I just, knowing the way that the show worked, I was like, it can't end happy, can it? And I was right. But uh, I really enjoyed it. I mean, like I said, um, 
I find the characters around Ted Lasso more interesting than him himself, but he has depth to him for sure. I mean, even the last episodes in that's in the first season really made that clear. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, more of him, but I think we talked about it, that he, you know, builds everyone up uh, to be their best selves. Uh, so I still stand by that, you know, Keely, uh, um roy kent and rebecca are my favorite characters uh they're just you know the best i love them i mean obviously they have their flaws and rebecca does too but you know when she actually finally you know confesses up to wanting the team to fail um and you know they have that emotional moment with her being you know forgiven. she finally lets you know i guess her hair down i guess if you want to go metaphors but uh she starts to have more fun and it's great to see and it's just i don't know i like, like I said last time, the internet was right, and I was, and not that I was wrong, but like the internet isn't always right about TV shows because you know the, the, sometimes I hype it up too much, um, and it doesn't live up to the expectations. But this definitely lived up to the expectations and more. Um, I think I'm going to take a break uh, before I start season two, so the rest of the season comes out. Is it like the same amount of episodes? Uh, no, it's more. There's twelve this second season, and it's got two more weeks. Okay, cool, perfect. So. Uh, I got other things to do, other, you know, shows to watch, other things to play and catch up on. Uh, so I might take a little bit of a break. Uh, my only problem is spoilers, so I might mute terms on Twitter uh, <laughs> just for the time being. Well, because like sports Twitter is all about the show and I don't want to see spoilers. So I'm, I'm people are mostly vague, but like I think I just for the meantime, I will, you know, mute words on Twitter about it. But um, I really, really enjoyed it. And like I said, the internet was right. So congratulations, guys. You finally hyped up a show that actually lived up to the expectations. Yeah, it, it's it's such a weird show in a way because I think it's a show that's unrelentingly uplifting. Like you feel good after watching the show. And I think it was the perfect show to start in the pandemic. Like yes. it really, it it's like a weight off your shoulders in a lot of ways. It really brings happiness into your life but at the same time like in especially in the first season it's a show that's so uplifting and yet nothing good happens to anyone in the entire show like almost everything ends in heartbreak and it's amazing to see that balance that you're still feeling uplifted by it and i I think it's such a credit to the writers and and the, the people making that show and the actors everyone uh it's it's such an incredible yes unique show Shout outs, I'm to with the, you. shout outs to the miracle reference, by the way. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, yeah, Keely, fantastic. I think Jamie Tart is like he comes around in that last few episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Like you start to really love him. I mean, you, he then, kind of is kind of cast as the villain, I guess, of the the final game. But then you see him, you know, you with see Ted dad. with like Ted wanting to go talk to him, and then his dad. So then you're like, oh no, he's. Um, not like a, I don't know, I guess he's a tragic tragic character of some sorts, you know, plays, I guess maybe like the anti-hero if we want to, you know, use your typical terms. Uh, definitely, you know, is cast in a villain light in that football game because, you know, finally makes the pass for once in his life. Um, but he has this stuff going on um, and he actually, you know, he's not a bad dude. Um He's just, you know, I think misguided in certain ways. But I'm yes. really, I don't know if, you know, things start to pay off in season two with his dad. But I noticed that and was like, all right, I see you pulling the sympathy card. I see you here. Uh, so he definitely has layers to him. And I think that's the best, one of the best things about the show. Yeah, every character has layers that get peeled back a little bit every episode, right? And you get to learn more about them. The second season focuses a lot more on uh, Sam Obasanya, which is great. He's a, a really interesting character and just such a heartwarming kid. It's it's really good. Um, for myself, for the pop culture roulette segment, I did not get a chance to watch much <laughs> this weekend <laughs> over the last week. We had two sick kids at home, and it was a grumpy weekend, so Is there I'm something on you're empty there. looking forward to? Like, I mean, like, we're getting to, like, I guess the return of, like, syndicated TV shows, like your procedurals on TV. Is there anything I guess you're looking forward to? Because I talk sometimes about things, you know, that have been announced or that I'm looking forward to. But is there anything, you know, in the future? I mean, I know that Marvel's What If is still happening. Um, yeah, I watched the the last episode of that. That was probably my favorite episode of their series so far. It was uh, pretty interesting. I think I mentioned it last week. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was really good. I'm really looking forward to the Hawkeye series, actually, because it yes. just looks like Die Hard but Marvel, mm-hmm. which is super fun. And I read the comic series that that series is based on. 
on the suggestion of a bunch of people because I was like, I don't care about Hawkeye. Like, <laughs> I just do not care about Hawkeye. And they were like, seriously, read this series by Matt Fraction, and it is spectacular. I have a recommended. Are you a Star Wars person? You're a Star Wars person, right? I'm not a Star Wars person, but I appreciate some Star Wars things. Okay, because I was going to say, didn't that, you know, cartoon anime show, Star Wars, was it Visions? I Visions, yeah. I think, I've heard I think, mixed reviews. I think that, that part of the part of it came out already. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching that because of the, you know, obviously it's, you know, done by different anime studios and whatnot, or, you know, um, animation studios. And you know me, I love my animation slash anime. So, uh, and I do, you know, occasionally like a Star Wars sometimes. Uh, I do like Star Wars, but. <laughs> Uh, who doesn't love a star war who doesn't love a star war i have Um, seen a lot of backlash against it by like the same idiot star wars fans that were like hyper against certain things including you know women but it's like uh, you know this is too japanese influenced for star wars and it's like what do you think star wars is it's a combination of westerns and like samurai films that's what Star Wars was created on Darth Vader is a hundred percent pulled from Japanese culture. Like so much of it is based on Japanese culture. So it's like, oh, it's anime, therefore it's too Japanese. Like, guys, I, I hate to break this to you, but the whole thing and also whole thing. anime is good. I mean, okay, to be fair, sometimes it's bad, but there is anime that is really good out there. Uh, so I definitely recommend, you know expand your horizons into different mediums um but i'm looking forward to that so i wasn't sure if you know you were a star wars person but i know that that's a new thing that came out on disney plus so um maybe if there's mixed reviews sure but i i definitely think i'll still check it out just because of the animation style it looked so unique um and i know that they like i think different studios did different episodes with like little different stories and they're like vignettes maybe i don't really know the full thing about it but the trailer that they had it you know a little while ago really intrigued me so i definitely think that might be something up your alley for sure yeah i'll definitely check it out and uh, i think i'll have to check it out right away because this is about it we have that's all we have today for the cross check nhl podcast or show We're going to be back on Thursday talking about more preseason action and doing some more interviews. We have, we're coming up on the end of the cross-check summer crossover. We're going to have Chris Micielli from Locked On Avalanche. And since we're still looking for a host for Locked On Golden Knights, hey, if you're interested in that, hit up Sean Woodley on Twitter. But uh, we're going to have Jesse Granger joining us again to preview the Golden Knights on our last episode of the cross-check summer crossover this Thursday. Thanks so much for listening, but before we let you go, I've got to tell you about Locked On Bets. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Best po- Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicap expert Lee Sterling, get your daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by BetOnline.ag wherever you get your podcasts.